Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. In the pocket, throws up field, picked off by the Colts, into the end zone, it's Stephon Gilmore. Chase McLaughlin, kick is on the way, and it is right down the middle. And the Colts have the lead in overtime. Wilson looking, dancing, throws into the end zone, broken up, it's broken up, the Colts win, a fourth down stop in overtime. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Friday, Friday, Friday. Let's do it. On the road, John Von Tobel is here in San Jose. We're getting ready for a big UNLV game against San Jose State. Voice is gone. That's okay. It's okay. It's an exciting Friday. Adam Hill is at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. He's got all the TVs there, 55-plus TVs to check out. A lot of college football tonight, including UNLV and San Jose State. A uh, Big Ten game involving... Nebraska. There's also a Nevada game tonight. It is the homecoming for Jay Norvell with CSU coming to town. So there's some really good stuff to watch on TV, and we'll have coverage leading into the Rebels game tonight up until 6 o'clock, our normal out time, and then 7 o'clock. Russ Langer, Caleb Herring will be in to start with the Learfield pregame kickoff at 7.30, and should be a good atmosphere here tonight. Buddies. Go head-to-head, and Brent Brennan, San Jose State coach, and Marcus Arroyo, the UNLV coach. There are former Nevada players on the roster of San Jose State who uh, formerly hated UNLV, I guess. Uh, Chevin Cordero, who has at times been a rebel killer. He's in from Hawaii. He's the quarterback, so hell of a setup. And then we got all the NFL this weekend. John Von Tobel is here, as I mentioned, Adam Hill in Vegas, and Ari is back at our Finley Toyota studios. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Three hours of football, except the roughest thing we need to talk about is not the crunching pads, but Draymond Green and Dr. Dre, master of kinesiology, has always been a big topic on this show. Adam Hill, the video came out. And as we know from Ray Rice and other videos, when you hear a story about some sort of fracas, that's one thing. When there's video, oh boy. I mean, it does change a lot of people's opinions, for sure. I was surprised. Watching the video and forming a quick opinion and then seeing how different it was from everybody else's opinion was pretty wild. But I think you can see what you want in a video. Even if you have the evidence right in front of you, you can see what you want. I would agree. I mean, I think what what, so my initial takeaway actually was not the video, Adam. It was the reporting of said incident right because the first word we got of this was was it forcible contact (laughs) from sham sharanya right who reported that and you go you watch that you go that's not forcible contact that's a punch (laughs) he punched him in the face yeah i guess technically that's forcible contact but you know what you're trying to do when you put wording out like that some people picture a push a really hard shove whatever it is not 
I don't know if you guys will get this, a falcon punch straight into the dude's grill, which is exactly what it was. Well, and, and that's that was my takeaway. That's my first thing I saw was, wow, what a shot. Uh, just dropped him. That's not the kind of... Uh, uh, you know, not the kind of jaw I would expect from a Michigan guy. Uh, <laughs> but, man, immediately it went into these two divergent camps of, wow, Draymond Green's a bully, get him get him the heck out of the league. And then the, well, Jordan Poole, don't want no smoke, don't start no smoke. He pushed him, and Draymond did what he had to do. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a different one. I didn't expect that one coming, but that's been a, I think that's been the prevailing narrative now. In the afternoon? Oh, I, I, that's I, how it's turned. Oh, I, from who? From real people or yeah. tough guy, Twitter tough guys? No, no, no. I, so I, I have a couple of ways I gauge how stories play out. Yeah. Um, I have a – there's a group text that I'm on that there's probably like 500 texts a day, and it's all, it's all just normal sports fans. Like nobody in the industry, none of that. And I could not believe the overwhelming take – was that is on Jordan Poole. Don't push somebody if you don't want to get knocked out. How many people are on this thread? Like 40? Uh, have any of them been in a fight? Uh, yeah, I've seen them. Okay. Like how many of the 40? Several. Okay. I mean, I've seen and, them and fight. Were you, getting, I would were, you getting it, were you getting it from those people? Yeah. That, that, okay. I'm, I'm saying that's what they're yeah. – that, well, you, know you know what I'm getting at. There's people who talk about fighting. Who've sure. been in fights? Who will get into a fight? And then there's others who would never get into a fight. So, well, also I think by you have way, to have experience of being like in a fracas and losing it or taking it. Overwhelming, mi- overwhelming military, by the way. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Sure. Well, Which I don't know how that. Adam, but to your point, and this is what this is what I don't understand about that logic, right? Which is, if pool if if pool doesn't want it, don't shove him. Why did pool shove him? Right. Why did he yeah. shove him? Because yeah, Draymond Green came over, right, and chested him up and got into it with him and started kind of, nuss- you know, nestling up to him with his bosom. Of course you're going <laughs> to shove off of him. Like, get off of me, dude. Yeah, this is, don't, that's what listen. I don't understand. I'm, we're, we're on the same side. I, I just, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter, and I've seen, like I said, I've seen a lot of this in, in this group text of, hey, that's first contact. You can do what you want to do. Nah. That's, I, that's, I, I was you stunned. Know that, you know that's wrong. You've been around a bunch of fights. You're usually the peacemaker. And the other thing, I think it's really telling. Uh, John, you were talking about uh, Steve Carr and Steph Curry's reaction when people started getting on pool. And, hey, pool is like 50% of this. What do those guys say? Uh, And, Adam, I know you're a big Warriors fan. You saw the quotes. Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, I thought were overwhelmed in the corner of Jordan Poole. Because the – and this is what I find the interesting dynamic of all of this is the reporting around it. Because the other report that came out after the incident was initially reported was Chris Haynes who said, oh, there's some who think that Poole was acting a little differently because yeah. he's got money coming. Yeah, some named name Draymond. Right, exactly. Essentially <laughs> saying that he had it coming. Yeah. Essentially yeah. saying that he had this incident coming. Yeah. And you had Poole, you had uh, Steph Curry come out and say it. You had Kerr come out and say it to say essentially that is the farthest thing from the truth that is absolutely ridiculous. And you can kind of tell where that spin came from initially, by the sure. way. Sure. We'll get into the fight more. We'll get into what will happen, who released the video. But up next, we got to get to, well, I was really fired up to talk about Draymond and the fight and the fallout from that. I guess we got to talk about the Broncos. We watched Thursday Night Football. What a freaking weird game.
Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Troy, I feel the need to just apologize to the viewers. I know we didn't play, we didn't really even run this broadcast, but the fact that you had to watch that on our air, I feel bad. I was here and I didn't even want to watch it. Where do we begin? Well, listen, it burns the retinas. It was that awful. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Cofield, JBT in San Jose, in Vegas. Adam Hill is at Treasure Island. 364-1100, caller 7364-1100. Football weekend coming up. You get a chance. Well, no, you win it. You win a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. Caller number 7, Ari, 364-1100. You also qualify to win a new Yeti cooler. It's all courtesy of Porta Subs. And Finley Volvo, Cars of Las Vegas, 364-1100, caller number 7. On the way back, that's the ABC affiliate in, Den- in Denver. It burns the retinas. Wow. Wow. That was ugly. Nearly 700 yards of offense, Adam Hill, and no touchdowns in the game. And when you do that on Thursday Night Football, people are already all teed up to just annihilate matchups that turn out to be boring, bad matchups. I mean, it was just the worst the NFL could ever get. Sure. And we have <laughs> commanders and bears to look forward to next <laughs> week. So that'll clearly be better. Uh, look, Thursday Night Football is going to be ugly at times for sure. Most weeks we see at least one team that looks ugly. Last night we just got two quarterbacks that look completely washed. I mean, there was, as you mentioned, there was offense. Like teams were moving up and down the field, but they weren't really doing it effectively or excitedly. It was just so drab and dull and bad i mean there was comedy so i guess that's worth something my favorite theory is that uh bezos bought these games and are making them bad so that people get depressed and angry and start shopping online yeah which is a good theory (laughs) oh i saw a bunch of i saw a bunch of lines like bezos paid 77 million for each one of these games and i was thinking to myself i'm like i i haven't spent 77 million on amazon but I've spent a lot. Believe me, he's going to get the money back. Well, and also, like, let's say you're getting tired of the game, hit the back button. What's the first thing you pop up on? It's the Amazon Prime home screen. Oh, yeah, let me watch yeah. The Boys. Yeah. Oh, let me yeah, watch yeah. Rings of Power. Yeah. Oh, let me, you know what I mean? That's smart. Like, that's, yeah. It's probably brilliant, actually, because once you're back out of the game, there's a whole plethora of, like, viewing options for you. But I will say, the two worst games of the football season so far, can you think of them? Because at the top of my head, I know exactly what they are. It is the game we just watched. And it is Broncos 49ers. And there's only one yeah. common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Broncos. I, uh, I knew that pe- some people thought Russell Wilson was a weirdo and a little bit creepy. Last night, it really came to the forefront. There are millions and millions of people, sports fans, who have never liked Russell Wilson. I didn't realize the dislike was that intense, Adam. Yeah, and it's, I don't even know if it's dislike. It's, it's, he's weird. He's a weird dude. And, and the more that he's talked about, the more he's in the spotlight, the more people are going to see that. And I think maybe in Seattle he was just kind of like, well, he's kind of fits in Seattle. He's weird. He's in the Pacific Northwest. Just leave him alone. <laughs> but when, he, when he gets all the money and they give up so much to get him, like, there's going to be expectations and pressure when you're not living up to it. People are going to focus on the fact that you're incredibly weird. Well, and there's no stars to, to take away from him, right? Like the first early years in, in Seattle, yeah. there was a whole bunch of big personalities there. It was Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner. Earl Thomas, like there were Marshawn. a bunch of yeah, Marshawn Lynch, like there was a lot of guys who took away the spotlight, and then when they slowly went away, and your biggest stars are DK Metcalf, as much as I love the guy, or Tyler Lockett, like you're going to take on more of that focus, and he's right, you're right, he's weird because there's like 
there's not liking somebody because they're like overly fake and nice. And there's a few that, and he initially came off as that, but now he has shifted more into the territory of like got somebody tied up in the basement weird. Like he's just really <laughs> odd. Whoa. <laughs> no, he's dangerous. He eats that sandwich. Right. It's spicy. <laughs> the danger witch. <laughs> It's dangerous. That's what I'm telling you. He's dangerous. Uh, I I don't know if they hit this. We'll find out on Sports Talk Radio in Denver. But I know I saw Denver people last night. And the topic became, how do we get out of this contract? Like, <laughs> you, you don't. He just signed it. I saw someone say that the cap hit, I think if they got to cut him in 2025, it would still be an $88 million dead, <laughs> dead cap hit. Like, he's there, man. You ain't getting out of this. You just have to talk him into retiring. No. Yeah. It's not going to hope. And he has a chance to bounce back, but I think the other topic we need to hit is, is he with the guy who can help him bounce back? Because Nathaniel Hackett looks like he's way in over his head. He could run a Walmart. That's a good point. He's got connections to get into the Walmart. Coming up next, let's bring in uh, some Chiefs and Raiders preview talk as we'll uh, bring on Dana Hughes, a former Chief, and our buddy NFL insider Mark McMillan, who also played for the Chiefs and the Eagles, and these guys will give us a skinny on Monday Night Football with the Raiders and KC. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Former NFL cornerback and ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan is live on Cofield and company now. Friday, we're just a couple days away from the Monday Night Football tilt between the Raiders and the Chiefs, and we got a couple of former Chiefs. I think that's okay with Mark McMillan. He's also a former Eagle, but Mark McMillan is here. Special guest today, Mark, is Dana Hughes is in the building. Uh, the one and only Dana Hughes is in the but in the building. My former teammate. What's going on, fellas? Oh, it, it's a. Uh, I understand. You know, it's a big game that's happening Monday night. Uh, the Raiders against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are playing really well, coming off a big victory against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Raiders coming off their first victory against the Broncos. Yeah. What are some of the things that's going on as far as uh, the Chiefs? What are the news coming out? Being at Raider Week, and is it really Raider Week since the Chiefs have been dominating of late? So you noticed I was sitting back here. Back in my chair, but as soon as you start talking about the Raiders, I gotta get up on. I gotta get up into the camera because we gotta, you know, the Raiders. They just my my skin starts to 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 start, uh, you know, pulsing up. The veins start coming out my arms. Talking about Chiefs Raiders, we had some incredible battles when you and I were playing, and you know, for also all the listeners. Not only was Mark's Probably, besides Darren Anderson, you might be one of the few defensive backs that I actually get along with, that I actually have fun with. Because there's still some there's still some remnants of, of ugliness from from other, you know, when we were playing golf with Rod Woodson. Yeah, I wanted to shake his hand, but I was like, mm, yeah, I kind of remember, you know, some of those hits and unnecessary pushes over the pile and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a great rivalry. It's great that the Raiders are coming off of a win. It's hard for me to say that. But I think we experienced going against the Indianapolis Colts when, when they were winless and then them coming along and meeting us at the right time where we played down to their level, they played up, and they beat us. And there's something to be said about a desperate team. When you have a desperate team, a winless team, Anything can happen. We both have been around this game for a long time. So 
in some respects, I feel like it's 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 somewhat good, not just for the viewers. Monday Night Football, you'd hate to have a, a Monday Night Football game where a team was 0-4. So the fact that they were able to win last week, the fashion that they were able to win, kind of rejuvenates their fan base a little bit. I'm sure they'll be uh, represented well out here in Kansas City on Monday night. But it's going to be a battle. I mean, the Raiders and Chiefs are always a battle. It goes back to Len Dawson days and um, – we were part of that battle as well, and it's going to be fun. Primetime football in Kansas City again was this the second time in, in five weeks. Um, actually, the third time in, in five weeks that you'll see the Chiefs on primetime TV. So it's going to be fun. Now, I, I know, you know, we, we sit back and we watch on TV. Obviously, you get a chance to see Pat uh, Mahomes live, uh, you know, during, during the season. But for some of the view, uh, listeners out there, kind of explained – as a former player, as a wide receiver, some of the stuff that he's able to do with the football and, and see things that I don't think anybody else as a quarterback have seen since probably the start of football. What is yeah. watching him uh, weekend? It's, it's truly magical, man. It, it's magical to watch. And I know Travis Kelsey said in his post-game press conference this past week that he called Patrick Mahomes Houdini. That, it, that there's nothing like him, and you're right. I don't. I can't recall. I've heard stories about Fran Tarkenton, how he used to run around and make people miss and scramble back 30 yards and have running for his life with the purple pe- people eaters and on the defensive side, but nobody's done it the way he's done it and then launches it. And as a wide receiver, you know, the one thing I always wanted, whether it was Rich, Rich Gannon, Elvis Gerback, Joe Montana, Steve Bono, when I played, is I wanted them to trust me. Like, the one thing I would always want is that if I'm going against you, Mac, or if I'm going against uh, another defensive back, just know that I'm going to, I'm not going to allow an interception. Right. Like, the worst thing that I want to happen is an incomplete pass. And what you see with Patrick is he trusts his receivers. Sometimes a little bit too much when you look at that interception against the Colts and then the late interception against the Bucks. his only two interceptions of the season. It's like, okay, you we want you to trust us that we're going to make a play. So he's going to string plays out. He's going to throw the ball with his left hand. He's going to roll out and drop back 30 yards and scramble because he's trying to make a play. And as a receiver, I'm like, all I need to do is just get a little bit of separation. Like, he's going to find me as long as I can lock eyes with him and I'm in a throwing lane. He's going to throw back across his body. It doesn't matter. He's always looking to make a play. And for a receiver, that's what we want. Like, trust us. We want to be a part of the highlight, too. Like, we want to be on ESPN. We want to be able to celebrate. So uh, I think that's what makes him magical is that he, he has that ability. He's not thinking about the negative of any play. He's always thinking about putting his foot on the gas pedal. Getting ready for Chiefs and Raiders on Monday Night Football. Mark McMillan is with us, our football insider for the NFL, and Dana News, who played for the Chiefs. All right, we talked earlier in the week to Mark Richter, who's a former Chief as well, and he gave us his reaction to Tyreek Hill going bye-bye, and he was talking about uh, Mahomes now having the ability to kind of run more traditional offense in terms of ball distribution, more receivers involved. How do you think it's going so far without Tyreek Hill? I think it's going well. I think it's actually going exactly how I expected it to go. Um, to lose a number one and then to assume that 
just because you signed Juju Smith-Schuster, you signed Marquez Valdez-Scanling, that one of those guys is going to be the one, that they're going to be the replacement, automatic, specific replacement for Tyreek Hill. Well, we know Tyreek Hill, there's no replacing him. I mean, he's a freak. And so, to me, the way that Patrick has, has managed this offense, distributing the ball, he had nine guys as targets in week one against the Chargers. Eight of them caught passes. And that kind of seems like that's the recipe that we're seeing with this team is that you're not going to be able to focus on any one guy. If you can focus on one guy, it'll be Travis Kelsey. But other than that, as far as wide receivers, you know, it's a smorgasbord. It's a buffet, and these guys are playing in, in line with it, and they still haven't hit their stride yet, which should be scary. Yeah, but you're watching uh, their offense against Tampa Bay. Obviously, the defense is getting a little bit better. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, from their mindset, you know Pat is going to make a, a play. You know he's going to score lots of points. So that takes a little bit of pressure off of the offense. And, we, meet, you know, you talked about Tyreek Hill, him not being there. Um, like I said, I think they're more of a complete offensive team now uh, than there were just one-dimensional Kelsey and Hill uh, going deep, uh, uh, you know, all the time. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, defensive side of the ball, what are you seeing from the defensive side of the ball from the Kansas City Chiefs? Defensive side of the ball, speed. Mac, when you, when you look at this team over the past years, and it's not anything against Tyron Matthew or uh, some of the other players even before then with D Ford and Eric Berry and, you know, Justin Houston, we were, the, we were an older unit that didn't have a whole bunch of speed, but we still had talent. Now we have young speed out on this field. And when you look at this defensive unit, we're without our number one pick and Trent McDuffie, cornerback that nobody really talked about, which is a good thing because he wasn't being tested. He was that good. He's out with a hamstring. You got George Karloftis, who's like Jared Allen, uh, like Tamba Hali early in his in his career. You know, that like Max Crosby. To me, he's he's kind of like a Max Crosby with you guys. Relentless motor, you know, plays through the echo of the whistle. And that youth kind of has it, it has affected our experience, which is kind of weird because you usually think it's the opposite. The experience helps the youth. But the young cats that we got, we have 10 draft picks that we got based on tra- uh, trading Tyreek Hill. So we got 10 total draft picks from the 2022 draft, and eight of them are actually participating, not just participating, they are factored in the plan, and they are starting, and they're contributing. You know, especially what was the defensive player of the week in week one was a rookie defensive back that took, took one to the house 99 yards, and he's yeah. from Washington State. We had another corner from Fayetteville State. Like, we got young dogs that are affecting this defense with speed, and that's the difference than what we saw last year. See, to me, that's the scary part, Mark, and uh, for Danon as well, for the rest of the AFC West, because not only do you have a guy in place who knows how long, 12, 15 years, who's a top-five quarterback, but they keep going through the draft and picking up productive players all the way down to the the freaking sixth round, and like you mentioned, you know, a seventh-round pick, like the Raiders went through a bunch of years with Mayock and Gruden, and now you're looking around, and you're, you know you have some good players in Renfro and Crosby, but most of the first round picks didn't turn out. That's a lot yeah. to make up for in the division when the Chiefs not only have Mahomes, but they keep nailing it with depth <laughs> and young guys who they don't have to spend a lot of money on. 
<laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Brett Veach and Andy Reid, I mean, they should be applauded, like, incredibly for what they've been able to do with getting talent in, not just through the draft, but also free agency. You talk about Melvin Ingram third last year, coming from the Chargers and the, and the Steelers, and then coming in here, affecting our defense. Carlos Dunlap is another guy that's not talked about enough because – when you talk about our defense, you talk about Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, Nick Bolton at that linebacker position, who was a yeah. second-round pick last year. And yeah. now he's coming off the team-leading tackles, tackles for loss and tackles last year, and leading the team again this year. So those guys, Brett Veach, man, you talk about two guys being in harmony with Brett Veach and Andy Reid. Like, I don't think there's anything like it around the NFL. And that's not just me saying it like I'm a homer. But look right. at the product. Look at yeah. what they've been able to get. When Eric Berry was on his last legs, they went and got Tyron Matthew. Guess what? We got a Super Bowl. They went, D Ford was, you know, idiotic and offsides and didn't make plays in the postseason. They went and got Frank Clark. Yeah. Super Bowl. You know, we got Chris Jones, re-signed him. You go and get these guys, you got holes in the defensive backfield because the Cincinnati Bengals took advantage of us with Jamar Chase and Boyd and, and those big trees of wide receivers in Cincinnati. So you go draft Trent McDuffie and you go get Jalen Watson and you, you go get, you know, Justin Reed from the Houston Texans. Like this team has done an innate, has had an innate ability to immediately address weaknesses, not not just like like they were super weaknesses. They were just kind of weaknesses, and we attacked it. You know, you go back to the first Super Bowl and the second Super Bowl, we, we played Tampa. Our offensive line is in shambles. What do they do? They get a whole new offensive line. Like, what Super Bowl team in history have you ever seen go to the Super Bowl and then change the whole offensive line the next year? That's amazing to me. So, yeah, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, they do a great job of, of, of knowing talent, assessing talent, and then bringing the right guys in. All right, Dana and Mark, sit tight. On the way back, live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, and here in San Jose, getting ready for the UNLV football game. We turn our attention to the Raiders' side of things for this Monday night football tilt between KC and Las Vegas. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Back here on a Friday, Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar and in San Jose getting ready for Rebel Football at San Jose State. Dana Hughes and Mark McMillan are here with us. Two former Chiefs are breaking down KC and the Raiders game on Monday Night Football. Dana, let's talk about the Raiders side. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup for several reasons. One, Derek Carr has not played up to the level that I think everybody wants him to or expected him to, especially when you got Devontae Adams that came in as a free agent. You got weapons like Darren Waller, he and Renfro and Josh Jacobs. But the scary thing about your team is how well they've run the ball, especially in recent weeks. When you look at Josh Jacobs and what he was able to accomplish last week, I believe he had 144 yards. Um, the the production that he was able to get, uh, I, I want to say that he had 110 of those 144 yards in crucial situations. Uh, yeah. That's going to help Derek Carr. 
because as long as you guys can be proficient with the run, doesn't put as much weight on his shoulders, could open the door for more one-on-one coverage downfield with Devontae Adams. Darren Waller is an automatic mismatch, especially when you split him out wide and you run slants and fade routes in the red zone. So with the run game, I think you guys will grow in in an offense, and that can be scary for every team in the AFC West. Um, Defensively, like you said, Max Crosby, you got Diablo that's done an outstanding job as well. Defensively, those guys have high motors. They make plays. And in the back end, you guys can capitalize on other teams' mistakes. So, uh, again, desperation. I'm not saying it's a must win for you guys, but being one and three and the nature of the losses that you've had and playing against us, you you can jump up not just in confidence, but obviously in the standings. And who knows? We play you guys the last game of the season that uh, in January, and, you know, who knows how that's going to unfold. We know where you guys were last year where you had the big game against the Chargers and you got into the playoffs. And once you're in the dance, you're in the dance. So this is a crucial game. I think it can set the tone for the AFC West specifically. But you guys, like, nobody's overlooking the Raiders. Just because they're one in three, we know that they're better than that record. Danny Muse is with us, one of the broadcasters for the Chiefs on the uh, Chiefs radio network, Mark McMillan, alongside as well, both former Chiefs. So defensively, what have the Chiefs been facing this year compared to last year? Because I can tell you, in the two Raider games last year, the Raiders, for some reason, Gus Bradley was really, really stubborn and didn't want to do what the rest of the league was doing with the two high safeties. So what are the Chiefs seeing this year defensively? I think they're still seeing some of that too high safety. They're also seeing some man-to-man coverage. You're actually seeing some teams that feel like because Tyreek Hill is not here, they can play their conventional defense. Man-to-man coverage on the outside, some catch man. So, you know, Mac, you know about that. Defensive back sitting at six, seven yards deep and expecting the pass rush to get to the quarterback before any deep routes can can transpire. So you've seen some of that. Uh, but we, with our motion and our movement and our shifting, Travis Kelsey out wide, we had multiple plays where Clyde Edwards-Alaire was out wide. When you have those different formations, Patrick Mahomes can tell what you're going to do. And if you give him that opportunity to read your defense and know exactly what you're going to do, and he's not going to be surprised, he's going to carve up the best of them, just like he did with the Buccaneers last week. So... Uh, that's that's going to pose a problem for any team that plays against the Chiefs, specifically the Raiders this week. But our defense, like, we've been able to just be proficient. And it's not about key, a bunch of turnovers like the Buccaneers. It's not about getting to the quarterback a bunch of times. We had five sacks against the Colts and we lost. It's about just timely, strong play and capitalizing on – what minimal mistakes other teams make, like Brady fumbling uh, early in that first quarter last week against the Buccaneers. So we we understand that the offense drives this team. We we feel like when healthy, we got some great weapons. We got some rookies, Sky Moore as a wide receiver and punt returner, Isaiah Pacheco. Remember that name, Isaiah Pacheco at the running back position. That kid runs. He's uh, I think. Uh, what did uh, Chris Collinsworth or somebody said last week, he runs like Marion Barber used to rest in peace. And that's violent. That's like beast mode 
2.0, like, like the next coming. Because when you watch that kid, he's a rookie out of Rutgers, seventh-round pick, tree trunks for legs, and he's not afraid of nothing. He's not afraid of no contact. And uh, he's running downhill. He's not shaking bake. And he's going to be fun. He's going to be a fun ad- added aspect to our offense. Mighty Mac, Mark McMillan, NFL Insider here on Cofield and Company, and our special guest is Dana News, the color voice for the Chiefs and a former Kansas City Chief. All right, Mark, uh, now you are on the griddle here. A little bit of pressure. I saw you making ribs about two <laughs> weeks ago. They look good, but I don't know, man. Kansas City ribs. What do we got going here? Uh, well, you know, I had to make some little some baby backs because Al- Al- Alabama played Arkansas, so you know we had to we had to grill up a little bit of pig. Uh, I was getting, I was getting some really good feedback uh, from Kansas City every time I tweeted out. You know, it, it's very important that I put out some really good stuff, some really good content because people are always, you know, breaking it down. Like, well, you should have used this or you should have used that. So, Kansas City barbecue is I love it. You know, there, there's a, it's a different flavor. I know Texas. You know, they swear they got the best barbecue, but I, I'm from the West Coast, man. So I mix a little bit of flavor with Kansas City. California. There you go. Uh, and Texas, but I'm no fan of Texas barbecue. So Kansas City barbecue is what I live for. So this Monday night, I, you know, I can't. The Raiders is not an animal, so I can't. You know, I can't put that on the. <laughs> so I, I got to come up with something. Maybe a brisket, maybe some burgers, or, or maybe a tri-tip or something. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I check your stuff out on Instagram and Facebook. Everything looks tasty. You know, I'm pick. I'm a picky eater too. So. The barbecue is always on point for me, so maybe when I get out there in January for the Raiders matchup, I'll be able to get some of that barbecue. But I know you're doing some good things. You got everybody proud back here in Kansas City. You know if we're loving your barbecue, you must be doing something right. So, yeah, yeah keep doing your thing. Yeah, Kansas City barbecue is, is real, real critical. They're real critical about their barbecue, their sauce. Uh, obviously, we got a big matchup Monday night. And one, one of the, the great things about Monday night in Arrowhead is when you get to the stadium, there's just smoke everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're early. They got whole pigs on the grill. Uh, and there's ribs. There's steak. There's every piece of meat that you can think of. So what are you going to eat on Monday Night Football? Man, look, I I, I have to – like, I got to navigate through the traffic and navigate once I park my car because all of the tailgating that's going on out there, everything smells good. People see me with my lanyard on, so they, they're like, they know who I am. So I'm hungry. I see some adult beverages. I can't have those yet because I got to do a broadcast. So it's, it's torture, man. It's absolute torture when I got to walk into the stadium on game day, kind of like when we were playing. We smelt it all. We saw the smoke, but we couldn't partake of it until after the game. But you know, I might try to slide me a little brisket sandwich on the side. Somebody somebody might hook me up. A little brisket sandwich would be good. Maybe a rib to walk in with. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be straight. Danny, what's your, what's your place in Kansas City? Arthur Bryant's, Gates, uh, Joe's, what do you like? Man, I like them all. One of my favorites that just came out, uh, well, not just came out, they've been around for a while, but I really like the meat at Q39. Q39 has a couple of locations here, and the meat, the brisket, the burn ends, it's really on point. The ribs, you know, but Jack Stack has always been good, and I like Gates. Gates is a longtime, you know, favorite of mine, but those other two right up there with them. Yeah, I like the feel of Gates. You, You walk in. 
and essentially you're supposed to scream across the room. <laughs> the first time I went there, I'm like, what's going on? I got I to gotta yell all this food I want? But, yeah, I got to yell. You so better be ready. You're about yeah, to get scolded. That's thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. Don't hesitate. <laughs> we got to put something together for Dana when he comes to town. So, Vegas listeners, we, we're looking for the best barbecue. We want to want to make sure we show our, our our guests some great hospitality. So we're looking for the best barbecue here in Las Vegas, so we can make sure we get our guys fed. Yes, that'll be all awesome. I'll count me in, Dana. We appreciate it all the time. Thank you so much. Have uh, fun on Monday night. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Great talking to you, Matt. Good seeing you, brother. Keep doing yes. big things and. Uh, I guess I got to end this. No matter, even though your your listeners don't want to hear it, I got to end it with a go Chiefs, go Chiefs. <laughs> By the way, uh, let's close out on this. Uh, I know you were talking to our good buddy uh, Chris at uh, Naked City Pizza. I talked to him the other day, and he's like, "Hey, where, where's Mark been?" I was like, "Well, he's been a little busy." But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys, guys going to do this collab on your uh, on your sauce? Yeah, we're going to do a collab on the sauce. Um, you know, they, they have their wings, obviously. Uh, I'm probably going to launch my sauce to be for sale uh, the first week of November. But I do have uh, some sauce that we're going to do a nice little collab uh, together. So, you know, really good guy over there, man. The, the pizza is amazing. Uh, you know, the pizza is amazing. So I'm excited for people to actually taste the sauce on the wings. So I'm really excited about the feedback. I know they're going to love it. So you got to make sure when they when we run that special, you got to you got to you got to jump on them wings. Yeah, he's big into barbecue too, and he's got a smoker, so he does barbecue uh, yeah. every so often. He's real good with meats. All right, let's close out on this uh, tonight. In just a couple hours, we got UNLV at San Jose State. What do you think? Um, it's going to be a, a great matchup. Um, obviously, you know both teams are coming off really good wins. Uh, UNLV coming off a, a good comeback win that was really good for for the team to actually be behind. And see what they have as far as coming back. Uh, they did a really good job with that. Um, so I'm excited about that. Obviously, San Jose is playing at a high level as well. Um, it's a it's a conference game. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be a great battle. So I'm looking for a, a really good battle on both sides of the ball. Uh, UNLV has improved on, on all phases, especially special teams. Uh, with with uh, the kicker being the special teams player of the week. Uh, so you, that's really big. Those three points really added up in that victory. Uh, so it's going to be a great matchup. Coach Arroyo has these guys ready, locked in, and focused. Yeah, the big matchup in this game is stopping Shevin Cordero, the quarterback who was at Hawaii, now he's at San Jose State, and his top two receivers are transfers in from Nevada. When Jay Norvell left for Colorado State, Brent Brennan immediately went after these two guys. Yeah. One of them is Elijah Cooks. He's 6'4", and he appears to be like 6'6", 6'7", on the field. Justin Lockhart's about 6'2". They're both averaging over 18 yards a catch. And this is one of those games where this dude throws deep. In his career against UNLV, off the top of my head, he's he's connected on a 64-yard touchdown pass, a 68-yard touchdown pass, and a 75-yard touchdown pass against the Rebels over the years Cordero has. There's going to be a lot of situations where there's deep balls, got to have yeah. ball recognition, and there's going to be a lot of battles up top at the high point. Like you said, they're, they're going to go up top. Uh, you know, UNLV's been tested a little bit up top. Obviously, the front front four is really getting after the quarterback and, and forcing some really bad throws. So, Klan is playing at a high level. Um, he's really getting after the quarterback. Uh, the secondary is getting more experience every week. Uh, you know, so it, it should be a very exciting matchup. 
But when you have, you know, transfers in from Nevada, uh, transfers from Hawaii, you know, no one likes UNLV. So th these guys are, I'm sure that it, it's personal for these guys. But for UNLV, you know, these are guys that, you know, Juco guys, guys with experience. Uh, Brunfield is, is playing really good football. Uh, you know, they're running the ball really well. Uh, they're controlling the clock. So it's going to be an exciting matchup. But like you said, there's going to be some balls that's going to be in the air that's going to test the UNLV secondary. All right, Mark, have a good weekend. We appreciate the hookup with Dana Hughes, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, I appreciate you having me on, buddy. Hey, everybody, this is Willie Ramirez. Join me and Gooch this Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. It's Throw the Flag, live from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Action-packed lineup including UNLV Lady Rebels coach Lindy LaRock talking about the upcoming season. Also, Provost Dave McCann joins us. BYU Notre Dame in action. Surgeon Caleb Pinnaker's on the show to talk concussions. Free parking, dozens of big screens, and the best kitchen for college football breakfast. Throw the flag from Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, Saturday, 9 to 11 a.m. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. A lot of hustle and bustle here at uh, Seth Koo Stadium. Yeah, that's in San Jose. Not the sexiest name, <laughs> but but a local credit union, Adam Hill, is at the Golden Circle. Kickoff for UNLV is about three and a half hours away. We'll follow up on that last point on the conversation with Mark McMillan about the big receivers for San Jose in just a little bit. But as we like to do here on this sports radio show, we get hooked by goofiness, and I think Greeny knows what he was doing here. Uh, he was on a... Uh, podcast the other day and you know he's kind of cultivated this image of being a uh, upper crust guy i don't think it's an image i think he is he went to you know prep school fancy prep school in the new york area and he started talking about food and this one really got adam hill there is nothing you should not eat with a knife and fork except for things that must be eaten with a spoon this became a very big deal when i ate wings on super bowl sunday last year with a knife and fork i eat sandwiches with a fork and knife I eat pizza in New York. I'm from New York City. I eat New York City slices of pizza with a fork and knife. Okay. I mean, he's laying it on thick there. Sandwiches are not to be knifed and forked, as I say it carefully. Come on. Let's bring in Adam Hill. Yeah. There he is. What, what about an ice cream cone? What are you supposed to do with that? Oh, brilliant follow-up. Yeah, I wanted to come up with a list of things that really you just can't do it. Well, the, the, I, sandwich, the sandwich thing is so obvious. Like, he doesn't eat a sandwich with a fork and a knife. He's just lying. Yeah. But we may find some things that are a bit confusing in terms of being handheld. I'll throw this one at you. You have to pick up a chicken leg to eat it, right? Sure. Like, he couldn't. He couldn't fork and knife that one. Well, the I mean, he used, I think the ultimate example is the one that he used, wings. How how do you even, I know you can do it. Yeah. But how do you pull that off? I think, about, you okay. ha, I, I think you have to, if you're going to do it, especially the flats, I don't think you can do a knife and fork. Because unless you just don't care about wasting food, yeah. I think you can only dig into it so much with a knife and fork. And then at some point you're going to pick up the bones and try to get the rest of the meat off. But maybe he's so rich, it doesn't matter. I Mentally, I would not be able to leave that much food on the plate. Yeah, no, no chance. But, uh, man, I mean, that that's the ultimate example. But there are so many. I just, I feel like this is just a silly, uh, you're going hot dog? Knife and fork hot dog, yeah. 
I think the ultimate, it's got to be like lobster or crab, right? I mean, would you, are you going to eat shrimp with a knife and fork? It is like the ultimate finger food. I, I at least understand how you could approach that. You just you know, cut it up and, yes. and eat it with a fork. The lobster, though, you've got to rip into it. I mean, I've seen people pick it apart, but it would, I figure with the claws, you got it. You kind of have to pick them up and suck them out, right? Unless you just don't eat them. Oyster. I do think there there are some there are some traditional foods that are handheld that we could probably pull off with a knife and fork. I mean, obviously, pizza is the big point sure. that people argue over. And when the mayor of New York City did it, people completely flipped out. Well, we saw from Seinfeld, you can eat a candy bar with a knife and fork. I mean, that that's. Wasn't that kind of mocking on this whole thing? Yes, of course it was. Do you think there is a good, like, 10% of society that thinks the same way as Greeny does? No. Well, they might say it. I'm not going to get my hands dirty, so everything will be knife and fork. They might say it, but then behind closed doors, they're scarfing away whatever they're eating. (laughs) It's just going off, eating like a total slob. So get on down to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Adam's got some cool giveaways and Happy hour going on right now as we're getting ready for the big football game out here in San Jose. Another hour is on the way with the big Ford Four.